To those listening, welcome, as we explore wonders and mysteries and journey into the realm of unknown. Hello and welcome back everybody to another episode of the Realm of Unknown podcast, your go-to podcast for all sorts of weird, mysterious, and bizarre things in the world. And a lot of pauses in between. Um, I do apologize for that. Anyone who has li- listening over the past several months has been a dedicated follower or what have you. This is a kind of hectic time right now. And I'm in the middle of preparing for a move coming up. Work's been insane. Ugh, work's been insane. <laughs> um, that's like a whole other story I won't ever even get into because it's just meh. But yeah, so if you are new to this place, uh, if you're new to the podcast, you're new to the show, essentially it's your pretty typical paranormal type podcast that talks about additionally just weird stuff in the world. Uh, however, when it comes to paranormal things, I do kind of like to focus on stuff within my area of the world, uh, specifically Pennsylvania, the Northeast of the United States, and like the East Coast general area. Uh, I'm not an expert in any of these things. I just find it interesting because growing up, I actually didn't really hear of most of these stories, to be fair. Um, Obviously, you have the pretty typical ones since I live uh, in or around Philly most of my life. So, you know, it's filled with Eastern State, Fort Mifflin, all that sorts of stuff. But getting further out into the state of Pennsylvania in general, you kind of tend to see way more bizarre, way more freaky type stories, essentially. Because, you know, you start getting into, like, the Appalachia area. You get into Western PA. Uh, you know, like, Northern PA has some kind of weird stuff going on with it as well. But there's just a lot of strangeness. And Pennsylvania is huge, to, to put into perspective for people out there uh, who are not aware of the general area. Um, if I were to drive from... Philly, where I'm at, which is at the bottom right-hand corner of the state, and I were to drive to another city, uh, Erie, in PA, which is pretty much like in the top left corner of the state, with good travel and no traffic, that's about like a, I don't know, seven-hour drive, and like roughly 300 miles or so, Uh, so to put that into... The ethos for anyone, uh, especially like European listeners who are like, it's not that big. It's pretty big. Um, So stories range and, you know, demographics and geography. The the state's pretty diverse in a lot of ways. Well, not with people, really, but still eh, ignore. Yeah, (laughs) PA is a weird state. But when it comes to the stories, I, I should say. So why am I rambling? Why am I talking about PA? We talk about PA all the time. What's going on? So for this month, and I think I announced it last episode when I kind of had like a recap episode. For the month of May, I'm going to be uploading specific stories from Pennsylvania, honing in on bizarre creatures and cryptids that call the Commonwealth of PA its home. Now, I did have one on the list that is not going to be talked about because a very large podcast literally talked about it like the last month of April, and I was very annoyed because I was like, oh, this will be fun. Uh, But no, we're going to ignore that one, and we're going to be talking about 
four others. Um, I'm going to be uploading two episodes this week. So the first one today should be coming out on, I believe, a Tuesday of, I think it Tuesday is like the 10th coming up. Uh, then the other one I will be releasing either on Thursday or Friday, depending on editing schedules. And again, all of these are from Pennsylvania. I tried to, I tried to keep them as ranged as possible, as well as focusing on different areas of PA. Again, it's kind of the same once you get out of the cities. It's all kind of like farms, mountains, woodlands, small little towns here and there. And most of those towns kind of feel the same. But I, again, I'm trying to add a little bit of nuance in between the types of creatures that we're going to talk about. And without a further ado, that leads us into the very, very first creature that we're going to be talking about this month. And that is the Albowitch. And a quick heads up, I will probably be pronouncing a lot of these things incorrectly, but whatever. <laughs> Pronunciation for me is whatever. But the Albowitch is what we're going to be talking about today, and it is Pennsylvania's very own Bigfoot variant, which I found very interesting because I'd never heard of this before. Uh, however, the only caveat here, and it sounds pretty on par for PA, is the fact that it is not very big at all, like... Of course, our variant is like not actually a Bigfoot. Uh, it has pretty average height, and it's honestly not even taller than myself, and I'm only 5'7", so it's pretty short. So the Albowitch itself leans a bit more into the more mythical side of things rather than a mystery, mysterious type creature. And again, it's PA Zerio and like mini Bigfoot type cryptid. Regardless, though, of how silly that might seem uh it actually has its very own festival named after it in columbia pa which if you're not familiar is in, uh located within lancaster county which honestly is not that far from where i'm at now uh it's not too far away from philly it's you know relatively short trip so let's get into sightings let's get into the story and the legend of the Alba Witch. sightings of the Alba Witch reportedly describe the creature as being very very slender uh, averaging between four to five feet in uh, height it is described as an ape-like creature covered in reddish brown hair the Alba Witch is not to be mistaken with a juvenile bigfoot which a lot of people kind of classify it as it's very much its own thing uh, the Albowitch uh, have more of a neck. It's more pronounced, uh, different to how Bigfoots kind of have really no difference between their shoulder to their head, more gorilla-like, essentially. Uh, and they're much skinnier. Uh, they, they're very similar to human-like proportions to them. Um, again, though, being a bit shorter. So think of like a super hairy middle schooler, I guess, or... Uh, like cartoon stick character, like twig arms. Uh, it's very bizarre. Uh, they also tend to spend a lot of time up in the trees rather than roaming on uh, the grounds within the forest that they reside in. So legend also says that the Alba witches either became extinct or were driven near extinction in uh, the later years of the 19th century. So legend believes them to very much be a species of their own, again, that had ups and downs in their population. And then obviously, when more people came into the area, they began to decline a little bit. So 
Chickie's Rock is where these creatures supposedly live, or at least in relation to the legend itself. And the location itself actually does have a tradition, or I should say a, what's the correct word for this? A sort of general understanding that strange stuff occur there, uh, whether it be sightings of this weird creature or just odd sounds off into the night. And for anyone who needs reference for what the heck Chicky Rock is, um, or Chicky's Rock, um, it's literally spelled chick with plural. It's actually a location within Columbia, PA. Uh, It's kind of like a park type area, essentially. It's not a specific rock. Okay, let's get back to that. Uh, And in the 1950s to the 1970s, we're just generally talking about uh, the Chicky's Rocks area. A man-like figure out of the woods was supposedly reported several times in that area, and local legends speak of, again, bizarre sounds, such as the crack of a whip being heard off into the woods late at night. Whether these stories are connected or not to, you know, the several sightings of Bigfoot-like creatures that were recorded in the area, it's kind of debated. Um, I think people essentially just lump them together. The idea that, hey, these mini Bigfoot are seen in this general area, and we also have bizarre stuff happening in this general area, it's probably the same thing. But again, it's not really solid. No one really knows the connection between the two, and it's just kind of lumped together, to say the least. Furthermore to all this, there were vague reports concerning the sighting of a hairy human, uh, humanoid-like creature that came from Lancaster, PA in 1973. Now, for people who are not from the area, Lancaster is not what we mentioned before with Lancaster County. It's a town as well. To put into relative perspective, uh, it's about 10 miles or so east from Columbia, which is the central point for where most of the Witch stories come from. So another, uh, this is another report, comes from the town of North Anvil, which is uh, about 20 miles north uh, that same year, so 1973. In addition, there were numerous reports of, uh, that surfaced out of the neighboring county over in York, PA. And the creature itself, the Alboich in general, has stories that supposedly date back roughly 400 to 500 years ago. Uh, relating to the Susquehanna tribe, who were a native tribe that inhabited the area around Chickie's Rock uh, in the eastern shore of the Susquehanna River. Unfortunately, though, for the, this tribe, as many in this area occurred with, uh, thanks to colonial meddling, the tribe itself ended up going extinct in the end of the 1700s. This is. It's not like an end-all, be-all, technically. There are reports of scattered, like, partial descendants that believe to have exist, or or I should say, believe to still exist in uh, Oklahoma, because as colonialists, they pushed everyone out, and that's one of the areas where some of the natives of this region ended up. Um, It sucks, but unfortunately, it happened. But the Apple Witch sightings and the stories that we're going to be talking about 
overall come from this specific uh, tribe uh, of the Susquehannock Native Americans. So I want to talk about two individuals now that have either specific relation to the Alvowich or were researchers in the Columbia, PA area that have studied it or have reports. And there are definitely two of the more like leading figures. I believe that the ones who actually started the festival, um, or at least one of them did. So first off is Christopher Vera, who is the president of the Columbia Historic Preservation Society. And he explains about the tribe's naming of the creature as the following. Quote, the Susquehannock named it Abowich after the Apple Witch, which, sorry, which spelled W-H-I-C-H. This is a new sentence. I can't specifically pinpoint as to what this is, the quote-unquote Apple Witch. I cannot tell if this is like a separate entity and they're therefore naming it because of it or if this name is just on its own. But the Alblewitch does have some relationship with apples, so perhaps they're literally just both the same thing, and it's confusing. It's very confusing. Furthermore, though, there are some other tales that might be a similar creature. The Algonquin uh, tribes also told stories and tales of a small, hairy, humanly creature which was called the Megumuasu, and I literally could not find pronunciations for this word anywhere, so I do apologize if I'm mispronunciating it, but sorry, someone should have... <laughs> if you're going to yell about that one, don't, because there literally is no one that announces that at all. Uh, but it's a very similar creature in their lore, so people might think that it's one of the same. However, in this particular one, this creature is more so seen as like a fae or fairy type thing, uh, like very much like a spirit of the forests, rather than the more ape-like description of the Alblewitch, which, again, that specific word and that specific description is pretty tightly tied to the Sasquahannock. So it's debated if they are the similar thing. Chances are they probably aren't. But again, I don't know. No one really seems to know. Uh, okay, so the next figure that I want to talk about in relation to the story, in relation to the creature itself, is a Rick Fisher. And Rick is the curator of the Columbia-based National Museum of Mysteries and Research Center. And he notes that the Susquehannocks also had a, quote, ape-like creature depicted in their war shields. And the quote continues by saying, We're not really sure if they had a belief in some ape-like creature or where they got the image from. Perhaps it was just a warlike image to ward off enemy tribes and had no deeper meaning. Uh, this is like a key note as to why people attribute this story to this specific tribe because of their uh, imageries. But again, we don't really have enough evidence to say definitively why they did this or what it is actually depicting. So we just discussed like the local stuff. We discussed the more, uh, you know, original native relations to things. However... The creature's association with apples, which is the thing I mentioned like a little earlier on, and as to like essentially where the name came from, 
that appears to be a bit more recent in history and oddly enough has more of a European influence woven into the stories. Fisher specifically says that the Alblewitch gained the reputation of loving and being associated with apples uh, in the late 1800s, which is well after the natives would be gone of that area. This is when Chickie's Rock was a very popular picnic spot that afterwards, um, or say, became a, a popular picnic spot after the completion of a trolley line that ran into Columbia. Again, Columbia, PA. Fisher is quoted as saying the following, These creatures, the apple witch, uh, which come out of the trees and steal apples from people who are picnicking there. Uh, they would eat the apples and throw the cores back down onto the people. Further adding to this European influence, the name Albowitch is actually believed to be a Pennsylvania Dutch or Pennsylvania English compound of the word apple snitch, which makes a little more sense, but again, it's debated, we don't really know. So this is like an alternative idea as to how this story came about. And keep in mind, again, the whole Apple relation did not start until the Europeans. Like, 200 years after the Europeans were, like, fully established here. And and for people who are not familiar with when I say the Pennsylvania Dutch, if you're not from PA, you might not know it. But if you are, you might. Um, so the Pennsylvania Dutch is a name given to descendants of old German immigrants into uh, here in PA. And some examples of Pennsylvania Dutch groups, they're very, like, religious, essentially. Um, they have, like, their own practice, their own beliefs. If you're familiar with the Amish or the Mennonites, those are examples of Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, they're broken into much more refined groups. There's, like, the Old Dutch, the New Dutch, all that. But keep it, uh, just for people's reference, it kind of stems from, like, German immigrants to the area, uh, and if you look up the German, uh, or if I should say, if you look at the German origins of the name, you can come up with a phrase like apple elf, elf spirit, or um, like escaping spirit. Like it has the name apple, which has some derived meanings with like mystical stuff. So people kind of lean into that being possibly the origin of the name of this alleged creature. So both of the researchers that we just talked about, um, again, Fisher as well as Vera, which we talked about a little earlier, both of them mentioned also that to have actually their own modern accounts and reports of uh, Applewitch sightings. <laughs> Vera said that while he was a boy, a friend reported an encounter in the early 1980s when, quote, this creature came eye to eye with him and pinned him to a tree. His brother yelled at the creature, scaring it off as it ran back into the woods. Fisher, uh, who, keep in mind, is also a paranormal researcher and investigator for several years, so might have some bias. I don't know. I do not know the man said that he encountered something that looked similar to the generally accepted description of what the Alblewitch looks like. Again, a like four to five foot tall, hairy, Bigfoot-like creature. It's like a monkey, essentially. 
He witnessed his encounter on Valentine's Day in 2002. He was driving along Route 23 near Chickie's Rock. Uh, Again, it's a park. Earlier on a cold February morning, Valentine's Day, when he had a strange encounter with the creature on the road. In the distance, he saw what appeared to be a person walking out across the road. And as Fisher got closer and closer, he slowed down significantly because the person looked small enough to be a child. So he was concerned that someone was in the road. Fisher writes, quote, a stick thin figure about five feet tall covered in hair as he describes the creature in the road. Uh, When Fisher flipped on all his lights, his high beams to get a better look, the hairy figure quickly turned faced his car and he could see it had yellow eyes staring at him. And within an instant, the figure just vanished. Like apparently it vanished like a ghost because it, Fisher describes it as literally just disappearing in the middle of the road. And he claims that he later learned that that is an Alba witch. But I don't know. Because <laughs> none of the Alba witch stories really have it being a type of spirit. Now, the Algonquin tribes, like, similar type creature is more spirit-like. Again, though, I mean, people debate constantly whether or not Bigfoot is a spirit or an interdimensional creature. Who knows what the actual Albowitches are? But that's just one of the more significant reports of one from a researcher in the area. Again, though, both Vera and Fisher are the ones who create the Albowitch Festival. So maybe keep that in mind because that's a little, I don't know. If you're running a festival for your town and you're also having reports of the creature that you're having a festival for, it's for me, I have like a tad bit of hesitation. Now, that's pretty much it for the story itself. But I do want to talk about if you are in the area of Columbia, PA, Uh, They've been hosting this festival for several years now. Um, They host it every year annually. It's pretty much, if you're familiar with the Mothman Festival over in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, it's very, very similar, but obviously on a lot smaller scale. The album, which is nowhere near inert, like nationally known as uh, the Mothman is, especially within Paranormal Corners. But the event, from what I can understand, is still going on. So if you are in the PA uh, area, if you are visiting Lancaster County, uh, if you're near Columbia, PA on October 8th of this year, you know, if you want something kind of festive uh, something autumn, sort of like autismal type, fun, spooky thing, maybe consider swinging by. Uh, I mean, even if you're in Philly, let me see how far away Philly is from Columbia. Because I'm pretty sure it's not that far. Give me one sec. Oh, yeah, it's easy. So if you are in Philly and you're like, hey, I want to do like a quick little trip. Columbia, PA is right near York. Again, right near Lancaster. It's only about hour and a half drive. So it's like 90 miles. I mean, if you're going to the shore, if you're going to the Jersey Shore, it's like the same distance. Like if you're going to make a trip, go there. Have fun. It's like a little day thing. Go in the morning, spend the afternoon there, get dinner, and then head home. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the Alba Witch, Pennsylvania's very own 
mini Bigfoot apple loving cryptid that, you know, has a festival and that locals love and may or may not have relations to Native Americans and may or may not have relations to Europeans. Who knows? Regardless, though, I think it's just a fun story that locals have kind of spun into a local legend that gives them a bit more of a sort of history and identity, and I think that's fun and neat. Obviously, if it's appropriated in any way, that sucks, but I think at this point, so many people have their hands in what this might or may be that I, I really would just say the album, which is like everyone's at this point, because it's, it's so debated who actually made it. And it's just a fun thing. It's a neat little mini miniature Bigfoot that's running around stealing apples and throwing them at people once he's done. It's a fun story. So that is all for the very first installment for the cryptids that we are going to be talking about this month of May here at Realm of Unknown. I hope you guys did enjoy. I know it's a little weird. It's a bit of an odd structure and uh, hopefully it gets a bit more refined as we go through. But, you know, we're constantly learning. We're constantly evolving the show. And uh, I do hope you guys enjoyed the story. I've got three more fun ones that are coming and uh, a much longer list of, of other options, but I had to hone it down. But otherwise, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys wish to support the show in any way, please feel free to. Uh, if you want to leave a review, you can do so over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. It would really mean a lot. Uh, and if you do wish to support the show a bit more and wish to get some goodies in return, consider checking out the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash realm of unknown. There's a one, three and $5 tier list that will get you a variety of behind the scenes goodies, extra bonus episodes, weekly bonus episodes, and uh, monthly polls and interactions with the community uh, as you so wish. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash realm of unknown and check out uh, some shows coming up. It's not released for this episode, so I'll announce it for the next ones. But there's some you know, stuff that I might be being a part of coming up soon. Uh, I might be guest hosting or get not guest hosting, guest recording <laughs> um, on other podcasts. And uh, I have some uh, submissions for other ones as well. So I will be sure to leave those for you guys to go check out once they are officially released. Otherwise, I hope you guys are having a wonderful end of spring into early summer. And I shall see you next time, which will be later this week, as we talk about another bizarre creature of PA. Until then, have a wonderful time and remember to stay spooky. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Oh.